So for this evening's meditation from the scriptures, I want to turn your attention to just one verse out of the passage that Brother Steve read for us. It's verse 46 of Luke chapter 23. That verse reads, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. You know, this, these words have been cried out by saints uh, suffering, martyred, or just simply passing on into glory uh, in you know, identifying with uh, the same faith that our Savior had there on the cross. But Jesus, of course, gives these words their deepest significance. Have you ever, <clears throat> I'm sure you've heard the term at a, at a grave site, if you talk about the committal of the body, or you have the words of committal, we think of uh, a graveside service as a time where the body is committed to the uh, earthly resting place until such time as the Lord returns again and uh, renews it, reclaims it, right, and reunites it with the soul. Well, when you do a commitment at a graveside that way, or a committal, you are putting that body in a place of safekeeping. And it's the whole idea. It's, it, it's not just, well, we've got to find something to do with it. No, it is a place of safety. It's one reason why uh, such great lengths are taken. And now I think it's more about sometimes maybe a little bit about position or wealth or whatever else. Um, certainly a sincere desire to honor the dead. But the idea of vaults and caskets and all those things really spring out of the idea of keeping that body in as safe and peaceful a repose as possible until the Lord comes again. When you put that body in the grave, there is no expectation that that body is going to go anywhere. It's it's put into safekeeping in that place. So let's think about this idea of this committal that Jesus does, a self-committal, if you will, of his soul into the hands of the Father. He declares his own committal with confidence that his redeeming work is finished and that the remainder of his work, that of interceding for us, and standing before us, before the throne, well, that work's about to begin. And Jesus could make this, this statement, into your hands I commit my spirit. He could do it because he trusted his Father. Now let's think about this trust for a few minutes that Jesus had in the Father. First of all, and this may sound like a little bit of a strange statement because Jesus is so wrapped up in this, but Jesus trusted his father's redemption plan. In John's gospel, chapter 10, uh, Jesus tells the disciples, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's in verse 11. You jump over to verse 17. He says, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. 
the command I, this command I have received from my father. What a remarkable statement. I'm sure you've read that passage many times. But Jesus is absolutely confident in the plan from before the foundation of the earth to redeem his people. He knows that when he lays his life down, he will have the power to take it back up again. This from the very words and mouth of the Father. In Isaiah chapter 61, we read this. And, and, and I bring you to the Isaiah passage because it is one, uh, first of all, it lays the historical foundation, the prophetic foundation for what Jesus would do. Jesus perfectly uh, fulfills these things on the cross. But these words also might sound familiar to you from the New Testament because it is this passage that Jesus preaches in the synagogue there in Galilee. And uh, the, everybody's happy to hear him speak about this until he uh, mentions that this salvation is not just for the Jews, but also for the, gen, for the nations. But Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Jesus preached these good tidings to those at Nazareth. He walked obediently according to the plan of the Father. He knew that from before the foundation of the world, these things must be done in order to secure the redemption of his people. And he did them with absolute trust in his Father's plan. But he trusted more than just the plan. He trusted his Father's power as well. And really, what better evidence could you have of his words there on the cross? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knows the Father's alive. He knows the Father's real. He knows the plan's in action. He knows that he has the command from the Father to take up his life again. He knows that his spirit is safe. Even though not long before he had cried out his words from Psalm 22 that we sang this evening, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Separated from the Father, but once the work was done, once he could declare, it is finished. Fellowship is restored because the debt is paid. It's interesting that it says, look uh, there in verse, uh, we're in 46. In the very end, it says, having said this, he breathed his last. Now that's, there's a lot of ways you can talk about dying, picturesque ways you can talk about a person dying. But breathing his last, uh, literally breathing out, he breathed out his life. That's not the usual way about, of talking about dying in Scripture. Uh, except for when 
God's people die in peace. And here, certainly, you see the Lord Jesus who has undergone this horrific experience, who has died on the cross, for, who is about to give up his life, uh, hanging there in agony and pain and shame, and yet he breathed out his last as if he was lying safely in bed at home. He just breathed out his life, calm in the midst of this incredible storm, all swirling around were sorrow and misery uh, on either side, the, the thieves and before him, the, the women and, what, and, and the, the faithful disciple John. There, it just bewildered, stunned, speechless, despairing. And yet Jesus is at peace. As, I, as I'm telling you this, I'm thinking of that passage that we've talked about before from a couple of places in the scriptures, in the Gospels, where Jesus gets in the boat and there's, he gets the cushions on the back. He's tired, he's been preaching all day, he falls asleep in the, in the middle of a storm and just sleeps right through it until they go and wake him up. The storm's all around, but Jesus knows that he is safe with the Father. He trusts the Father's power. Think also of Jesus' prayer in John chapter 11. Uh, it's a prayer for Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus had died. They put him in the tomb. Jesus delayed going in order to accomplish something amazing. But do you remember Jesus' prayer to the Father? He says, Father, I, I'm, I'm not praying this because I have any doubt in you. Right? He says, I'm praying it I'm praying this now, in other words, for you to intervene here for the benefit of everybody that's here. But it's not because I doubt you. He says in the middle of that prayer, I know that you always hear me. He has absolute confidence in the Father's power and the, and the relationship that he has with the Father. <clears throat> Perhaps that may call to your mind the words of the psalmist in Psalm 31 where we read, pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. <clears throat> you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a difficult time. You heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. This messianic uh, foreshadowings of that psalm that think of that, that had their perfect fulfillment and, and manifestation in the words of Jesus on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Well, just as Jesus trusted his Father's redemption plan, so may you. And that's because you may trust the Father's Redeemer. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, a great chapter on the resurrection, 
So when this corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal is put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, those words, of course, should have come as no surprise to the Corinthians, nor to us. For Jesus himself said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You know, as most things that Jesus did and said, they were not done in a vacuum as far as the Word of God was concerned. In fact, many, many times you can look at what he said and there's either a direct or an indirect quote from some other passage in the, New, in the Old Testament. And of course, uh, we know that Jesus, uh, like on the road to Emmaus, would uh, help his disciples understand how the Old Testament scriptures pointed ahead to him. In Psalm 31, again, I read a portion of before about the deliverance from the plots of men and so on. You know what we read there, verse 5? Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. And then in verse 24, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. You may trust in the Father's Redeemer, because he has accomplished it, it is finished. And just as he safely entrusted his soul to the Father, so may you. you. Because you're trusting in his Redeemer, the one who has defeated death and hell, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. But again, just as Jesus trusted more than just the plan, he trusted the power to carry about that plan, and so you and I may trust the Father's power as well because what God ordains, he truly accomplishes. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What do you think Paul was committing to the Father? His soul. Paul took his example from the Lord Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you panicked today and thought that uh, you'd lose all of your money in the bank? Anybody? <laughs> Maybe that's not so good of a question to ask. But uh, just work with me on this one, okay? Did any of you rush down to the bank today and pull out all your money because you were afraid it was going to be gone by end of business day? No, no, we didn't. Uh, some of you may even have gone to the bank today and put a deposit in. Um, we can all discuss, you know, the whole idea of the definition of insanity and doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But uh, nonetheless, still, uh, there's enough uh, trust in financial institutions and that sort of thing that people are still depositing money in the bank, are they not? And there's, there, we don't have any runs on the bank right now. Who knows what might happen in the future? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, that's beside the point. I don't really want you to go there right now because that's beside the point of what we're talking about. The point is, is that you have entrusted, you've committed that those funds 
into that financial institution because you trust the power of that institution to use that money wisely and give you a return on the investment that you have when you place it in there. Granted, it's not very much, but you still um, have confidence in their power to stay afloat. Now, maybe that's not such a bad example after all, because you know we might look around at each other and go, have you really thought this through? Have you really looked at the economic situation? It's not really all that great. Things could you know, go south pretty fast. And yet we still do that. Now think about that for a minute, okay? Don't you think that your soul is far more valuable? And don't you think that our, the God who created all things is far more able and capable of keeping the most precious thing that you and I uh, are in possession of? the soul that he has given to us. If we can trust fiat money in a fickle financial situation, can we not trust our real soul to a real God who is the same yesterday and today and forever, who never fails, who always accomplishes what he sets out to do? Peter told those uh, among the dispersion. Blessed be the God, this is in First Peter chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, there's a bank account that we can all depend upon. For you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You may trust the Father's power. It's greater than any power that on this earth or in this universe. And he keeps our souls. Jesus knew that, trusted his soul to the safekeeping of the Father's hands. And so may you. Back in John chapter 11, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. You all know these verses. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her, do you believe this? Well, that's a good question. Jesus trusted the Father's powerful command. Do you? Repent of your sins. Turn to God if you do not know him. These are words that we find in the book of Acts, chapter 3. Repent them and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. I pray that each of you have done that and are entrusting your soul to the creator of the universe. You may safely commit your soul into his hands for he never, ever fails. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of these words of our Savior. As marvelous and powerful and encouraging and comforting as the words, it is finished, are. Lord, we are thankful 
that Jesus said these words after. For it could simply mean that, well, the job's done and, and we do not know how we can partake of the blessing of that finished work. Yet these words of the Savior, as he commits his soul to you there on the cross, tell us the way of, of receiving this marvelous gift of salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, grant us faith and repentance and help us, Lord, to commit our souls into your safekeeping. For we know that you will never fail. Christ has secured our salvation. We pray these things in his blessed name. Amen. Well, before we close in prayer this evening, we're going to stand and sing one more hymn. 336 this time, 336, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded. 336, uh, stand please and then remain standing for prayer and our benediction as we go our way this evening. 336. <clears throat>
Thank you, Father, for bringing us here tonight to rejoice, even as we soberly consider the incredible sacrifice that you made on our behalf, the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord God, I pray that we would go forward from this evening with hearts that are full of gratitude, with hearts that are full of wonder, and a readiness to rejoice all the more intensely and fervently 